I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Talk About Brand. I, of course, am your host, Christine Gritman, and we are here every single week with a new guest expert talking about a specific element of branding, especially personal branding. I'm very excited for today's guest. Today's guest, Fab Giovanetti, is the founder of Alt Marketing School. She is the author of Reclaim Your Time Off, and one of her big focuses is the idea of working smarter not harder. I certainly love that. And that is certainly a place where people get tripped up when building their brand, especially their personal brand. We have only so much bandwidth. And especially if we're doing our branding outside of our client work, which is so often the case, it's really important to make efficient use of that energy that we do give to it. So without any further ado, let me bring on Fab. Hello, Fab. How are you today? No, I was. I felt I needed like some drum roll because it's so exciting to have like the whole stage and everything. It was a <laughs> drum roll myself in, but then I thought maybe a bit too much. It's okay. How's that? Did you hear that? <laughs> thank you, thank you, kind people. Thank you. Thank you. you know what? I'm gonna do you one better. Not the way I want to be welcomed. Every single time I do an interview from now on, I don't know what it is. There you go. You know, we set the standards here. We set the bar high. (laughs) So, Fab, let's launch right in. You are all about working smarter, not harder, which I absolutely love. And this is where people get tripped up. People feel like, you know, they have to put all this effort into first of all they feel like branding is going to be a huge effort that they don't have time for but also they're busy putting their effort towards their clients they're not necessarily putting it towards their own brands so um i would love to hear from you your perspective on what work smarter not harder can mean when it comes to uh personal branding and then we'll dive in how to do it i think one of the things when it comes to actually the personal branding side of it is almost understanding that even when it comes to that, regardless of how much how invested you are in your personal brand right now, you're most likely doing a lot more work around it than what you think you currently are. And that's the first thing. So if we can first bring awareness, <clears throat> which is maybe the least sexy thing that I usually teach, because we want systems or practical things, but awareness first. So really stepping back and realizing that even if you feel that Spending a bit of time on LinkedIn responding to comments is just for fun and kicks. 35 minutes later, you might realize that you actually went down a black hole. And this happens a lot because we don't really give our personal brand and the work that we do around that the importance and the focus that it needs. We actually struggle at first to realize that that is work and as such is a project in itself. And that's for the practical and side of me, the Virgo side of me comes in. 
And And you're right. We just kind of wing it. We go down those internet black holes because we don't go in with a strategy. I'm certainly guilty of that myself. (laughs) I think it's because we also forget sometimes that if we make more structures, it doesn't mean that it's going to result some of that fun. And structure can mean so many different things, but many different people. Um, I like to see it as a project. Think about it as a fun project that you can set up for yourself. And within that, you see all the moving parts of it when it comes to your brand. And that even helps you then either refining or maybe adapting your strategy as well. Because obviously, I'm not going to lie to you and say that if you set up a project on Asana or ClickUp or whatever, that automatically becomes a strategy because they're not the same thing. But I think being able to start counting it as this is my project that I want to continue pursuing and this is how much time I want to spend on my personal brand, it can actually help you then seeing what are the activities that I need to do and what am I looking to grow and achieve. So we can go into more specific of that, but I think yeah, that's one of the big things, bringing awareness. And after you bring that awareness, start actually setting up a system around the project that is your glorious personal brand and what you want to do with it. And that's so important because a lot of us see it as something we do in between work or in between projects. As I've said, I'm guilty of all of this myself. Honestly, you're just teaching me here, Fab. But <laughs> but it's but another thing that people kind of get hung up on is they worry that if they approach it in that way, that their personal brand will become somehow false or fake or out of touch or too strategic, not genuine or authentic enough. Those those buzzwords. So um, what are some ways to avoid that kind of trap? Because they're really just excuses. But what are some ways to avoid that? Well, you kind of gave me the answer in a way because it's like, well, this probably, I mean, I'm not going to use the word excuse as much. Sometimes we have these reasons to really protect ourselves or sabotage ourselves sometimes from actually taking a specific action. So again, before we then go into some practical things, I'm going to catch you again and say, think about it. Why do you feel you're going to lose authenticity if you actually structure a bit more the way that you go about your personal brand? See what comes up. If I ask you this question, why do you think you're going to lose authenticity by structuring up your personal brand? So things might come up and you might realize that it's less about the structure because I haven't even told you what the structure can look like. So it could be anything. It's more about some perceived beliefs that you have around personal brands or maybe what a personal brand should be. And if you listened and watched enough of these episodes, hopefully your perception has shifted. But I appreciate that there are some things that we think about in our subconscious that affect the way that we act. So on a practical level, though, after this realization, this little light bulb, uh, I'd really like to... Keep structure, but also I think of a unique flair of very creative, very impulsive, human being. And then I also have the practical and analytical side of me. So when it comes to my writing, for example, that's something that I struggle to do if I'm feeling too constricted. So I like to use that activity as something that I can do on a free flow. I still have a system for it, but the system allows me to be um, a bit instinctive and a bit off the fly around it. So if I would feel like I want to write something or I want to dictate something, I have a system that allows me to jot down notes and ideas so that it can still be quite natural and, let's say, authentic. Uh, for people that have videos, I know that I have people that set up systems so that they can set up better ways to record and store videos. They might be then editing and resharing. 
So it's not as much about stifling your authenticity or your tone of voice or your creativity. It's working with who you are and how you best can operate, but also educating yourself a tiny bit to actually make better time, more conscious time to work on your personal brand. So for me, a lot of it is about not having a system for everything, but understanding what are the things that you do again and again and how can you do that better. That's pretty much where I go about it. I really like what you said about how when you're writing, you're making sure that, you know, you are capturing those moments when you have an idea, when you're kind of in flow. But it sounds like do you kind of jot those down so that you'll be inspired by them when you've allocated time for it? Or is even your time boxing kind of structured to allow to take advantage of those flow states? I think the the beauty of actually running my own business is that I make some time to have some brain time, let's put it this way, and some time boxing time if I want to. There are some days that it's bringing like like Mondays, just to keep an idea, and always my meeting day. Uh, but then aside from that, I try to have some times that I know that at least during the morning, 90% of the time, I have about three to four hours that if I want to allocate to something like writing, I can. And most likely I do. Um, Fridays are my no meeting day, which is my favorite day. Uh, love people, love meetings, but my favorite day because I get to actually choose what I want to do. And that's where the freedom comes in, you know, with systems. I can choose what main activity or main project I want to focus on for that day based on obviously what I've done throughout the week and not feeling like I'm constricted in any way. So that tends to be usually the day that I do a lot of my free writing, whereas I tend to do editing maybe other days of the week. The other thing that I want to say, though, is that these things might change. I find that, for example, when I work with clients who are going through different times of lives or different life experiences, let's say, for example, if you have a baby, you might find that something they used to work, like time boxing or specific like 90 minutes morning sprints might not be realistic for you anymore. So I always find that we need to be also open to adapt and shift depending on our lifestyle and what happens. But I do like to kind of make some of that time and protect that special time for me for that activity that really means a lot to me. So I will reflect it back to you and think about what is the activity, where is the area of your personal brand when you really shine? Is it writing? Is it videos? Is it podcasts? I don't know. How do you express and cultivate your personal brand and how can you make time, how can you protect the time around that specific activity out of all the things that you've got into around it? And that really touches on something else, too, that trips people up, which is, and to the theme of working smarter, not harder, we feel like we have to put out so much stuff. You know, there's this pressure to have a constant churn of content. And I've seen personally in my own life that when I pulled way back and only focused on, as you said, the things that light me up, the things where I really shine, I was doing less of it better. And people were seeing more of it. It was having more of an impact. So can we talk a little bit about how to how to sort of structure that, how to identify it, how to make sure that we can focus on and develop that? How how do you recommend starting there? You took my language here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm actually shimming because I'm really excited because I literally had this conversation with some of our students. Uh, so obviously we run a school or I run a school. So we have cohorts and they're all live. So I tend to get a lot of feedback from the students and I see 
some objections or some fears coming back again and again. And whether they're working on their company or a personal brand, because that can happen too with the force. What is interesting is that there's a lot of questions and worries about where should I show up? How many platforms should I be on? How often should I be consistent? What does consistency mean? Now, marketing is obviously my background, so that's where I come in. And uh, what I love to understand more about. And I read it somewhere. Goodness knows if I'm on the web. But then it made me think. And I was reading about almost like this shift in marketing again, where we went from a long phase of trying different things, being everywhere. I guess the, the last two years and a half probably helped us being a bit more like willing to experiment with different platforms. Now we're coming back into a different, a new normal, as we called it a lot of times. And whether you are fully working on your personal brand or just as part of your strategy as a whole, I think sometimes we forget that, as you said, as you rightfully said, actually, you know, when we're trying to do too much, then we're losing that consistency. So there was a lot of talk about actually choosing one platform and doing that really, really, really well. And then there are some people that still talk about diversification. That's where I always say to my students, diversification can happen once you feel strong, happy, and clear about the direction and your position in a specific platform. So if you feel you're showing up on a platform in the best possible way, then yeah, you can start diversifying and maybe finding other platforms that might still help you to actually deliver that. But you don't have to be of Pinterest with your personal brand. If the only thing you do on Pinterest is same pins for your new home or your wedding. That can be your personal style. That can be the little personal space that you can have fun and enjoy for entertainment. So first of all, less is more. And there's so many conversations I've seen around this. So I always say, think about that one core platform that you can really hold, you can understand, you can experiment and play with. And I'll go to consistency in a second. And then you can start thinking about diversifying. And this is the biggest issue all of my students have. It's just accepting that and doing that. And then they see the results. The last Absolutely. And one thing that can be really tricky for people is identifying what that thing should be, because sometimes there can be a disconnect between the things that we enjoy doing and things that light us up versus the things that are actually getting traction, whether it's because of the algorithm or it's a disconnect between what we think people want, and what they actually want, or maybe it's just, you know, promotion and visibility. So how can we really hone in on what is worth our time? couple of things on that. Um, so first of all, I just wanted to mention one thing about this as well, uh, which it's kind of part of it. And I want to make sure that we all know consistency can be different for everyone. I always love for people to remember that as long as you can show up consistently and no one choose your platform. It can mean once a week. It can mean once a month. It can be a couple of times a week. Just find that consistency and stick with it. I always say to my students, at least per month. And then you can look up potentially and find that. That said, where am I going to be consistent? Let's get back to that. This is where it can get tricky because I personally out of the school of thought, and that's when I teach our students that there's not one platform. There is a combination to me, and I would love to see also to hear what you think because I think we all have experienced it in a different way. I personally believe there should be the conjunction and the combination of what you, especially if you're talking about personal brand where you enjoy hanging out and also where is your audience thankfully most audiences are at least in a couple of places which means 
depending on where you want to hang out, you might have your answers. But I personally feel that, and I said it to a lot of my clients in the past as well, there's nothing worse than seeing somebody being on Twitter, tweeting, hating <laughs> every single day, and then coming to me and being like, oh, how can I grow my Twitter? And I remember asking to one of my clients, well, why are you in there? What do you enjoy about it? And they said to me, nothing. And I was like, why are you doing that? You know, I think that has to be that combination of what you, where you love to hang out and obviously where is your audience and where is your audience looking for the answer to the questions that you are filling? You know, I think we sometimes forget that we also have to think about ourselves. What is going to prompt you to show up consistently? That will be my answer. Absolutely. And I love what you said about where are they looking for the answers? People overlook that so frequently. We think that, okay, well, people are here. You know, I'm hearing everyone's on Twitter. Twitter's where things are happening. But is that where they're seeking the answer to the question that you answer? A lot of times it's not. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Twitter's an interesting one. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned that one because that's the one where when I did client work, that was the one people begged me to not have to be on. And I said, good news, you absolutely don't have to be there. It's been an incredible platform for me to speak with fellow marketers. But when I was doing client work, my small business owner clients who who didn't do social media, if they were anywhere, they were on Facebook and they were lurkers. So it was important to understand that as well. The behavior is different. On Twitter, I had this very active audience. On Facebook, I had a very passive audience of people who were my ideal client and who were looking and who were lurking. So it's interesting to sort of balance those different things and to show up in different ways for different people. I'm in the midst of re-strategizing that whole thing for myself. I've been ignoring YouTube, even though YouTube speaks to two things. It is video where I feel like I shine and what lights me up. And it's also where people look for answers to questions. It is the second largest search engine in the world, and it's owned by the first largest search engine in the world. So so it's an interesting thing that even, you know, personal branding professionals have to, have to go through for themselves, certainly. Uh, what are yours out of curiosity? What's, what's your jam? That's a hard one because it changes. Uh... I I always have this running joke, and we're also saying our podcast, which feels like I might be being banned by Snapchat, because every other happy zone I say, you'll find me everywhere, just not on Snapchat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> chill my age. Uh, I am, 
I'm honestly do pretty much everywhere. But for example, for business, I'm currently seeing that the places that I enjoy the most are actually, it's not too surprising for me, um, Twitter and LinkedIn. Even if I, I actually do enjoy video, it's easy for me. I like to do actually fun skits with TikTok. TikTok works so well for me because I like to make relatable content that is a bit more fun. Um, and I used to love Instagram a lot, but now I actually use it more for entertainment when it comes to me rather than actually kind of education and digesting content. But if I were to say my favorites, randomly, probably Twitter after a long time of being a step back from it for a while. And also I'm kind of enjoying doing more for the conversations rather than necessarily the posting as much and things like that. I just really enjoy to kind of meet new people in a much frictionless way. So that, that's currently my top two. And that taps into something really important as well that people fail to realize, which is they think they need to blast out loads of content in all these places, and they don't differentiate between how conversation happens differently on different platforms. So that's a really key thing to focus on as well. Um, so to that end, what in your experience are some ways for people to, on the one hand, make sure they're differentiating, but on the other hand, not creating five times as much content as they need to? That's a great question. So I'm going to go back to something that I teach, or we teach, I guess, but currently I'm teaching that session on user intent on social media, which is one of the sessions we have in our certification at Marketing School. And I talk a lot about going back to what we said before, like, what is the answer? What are the questions? What are the problems? What are the frustrations of your audience? And what are they looking for on a specific platform? Because I find that 90% of the time, part of your quantity is also going to be related to what's your expertise, what lights you up, what makes you shine. I'm still a bit, um, not against, but half an hour for the idea of hyper-niching. Which I know is usually why you would do on TikTok. So TikTok is actually pretty good to just talk about one thing. That's that's kind of what you build. But I like the other platforms are a bit more human, I would say, in that respect. So when it comes to that, I always find that that can be hard because you're like, well, I want to make sure that I tap into the right problem. Whereas you say, I don't want to have to recreate different types of content all the time. I find that there are two ways that you can tweak. So the one that I'm talking about right now is maybe slightly adapting the content or maybe choosing which content you want to repurpose or reshare on different platforms. Because it might be that if your audience is not really looking to be entertained on LinkedIn, something that is just entertaining without necessarily any educational value might not be super relevant for your audience. But also the other thing that is probably a bit easier and a bit less um, rainy because it can take a bit more time to actually look into the user intent. But it's just the formats as well. Adapting slightly the formats can also be really powerful. So it's adapting the message I can find can be a bit more daunting if you're new to it and you don't have a framework. We teach a few in the course because I know the frameworks can help. But also just slightly tweaking the format, like whether it's taking a carousel and then turning it into like a real little PDF carousel on LinkedIn. But maybe it can be taking um, a video on TikTok and using that script and turning it into a couple of threads on Twitter. That can already help making it a bit more native to the platform, which means the audience will digest it better. So if messaging feels a bit daunting and you just kind of want to start repurposing and this is a concept, start understanding the features and the formats first 
and then tweaking the messaging slightly and choosing what to repurpose and where, that will be the golden standards. But I know that even our students struggle with it at first, so I'm not asking for too much. Well, you know, that's the whole point. They're hiring you so that you can push <laughs> So that you can help them out of um, the chaos that they're in and help them with some structure. So structure is something that you definitely mentioned early on. <laughs> I love the happy dance. Yeah. <laughs> and I know we have only a few more minutes left, but if you can talk to us a little a bit about how structure and having that kind of mental framework for yourself can really help you brand smarter and not harder. Love it. Um, well, there's a couple of ways. There's an obvious way, I think, which is seeing where your time goes a bit more. And you talked about it before, like kind of putting our branding into the little slithers of time that we have in between everything else can be one of the hardest things, especially if you're starting to develop your personal brand. So I think seeing where your time goes and maybe acknowledging going back to a lens, how much time we're spending on our personal brand can be quite Excuse me, I'm high opening experience. Is it like, oh, wait, I'm actually spending a lot more time on this than what I would expect. So, structure can help us with that. And then another thing, which I love, and that's a conversation for another day, Christine, but it's delegation. So, even if you're going to do a lot of your personal brand yourself, there might be some elements that can do with delegating, whether it is from a platform perspective. So, maybe delegation through automation, that's the one, or maybe a person. For example, if there are some elements of a personal brand that you want to delegate, such as some even inbox management or responding to some queries, you kind of get a bit of support. You will be surprised how many personal brands do that. So without structure, trust me, delegation becomes a lot harder for you and the people that you're asking for help, or even the platform, it doesn't matter. And then one, when it comes to structure, I also find that there is a lot of power in then I don't want to go back to that, but having more space than to let the creativity flow, which you know can be mind-boggling because you feel there's such a paradox. But really, when you have the structure and you feel like you're supported, that you know what you're going to do next, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to literally take it as a whim. And because it can make structure whatever it means to you, and that's when I always recommend getting some support with it, you can then have more time, surprisingly, and reclaim your time to then enjoy the more instinctive the more creative side of your personal brand because a lot of the rest is taken care of itself or you could even hand over to somebody else without having to worry about it so these are some of the things just so much more but these were my three top three absolutely and i think a, a key component of what you said is taking the stuff that's sort of immovable objects on some level you know this is the client work i have to do these are things that you know are going to be on my schedule no matter what and maybe even starting your structure with let's box those into a particular time so that the rest of my time is freed up instead of having that be a constant thing. I know a lot of people who have four-day work weeks have found a lot of productivity because it involves doing that. You mentioned having Friday as a meeting-free day. I think meeting-free days are a thing that are really, really catching on. I mean, I, I have for a long time, I had both Monday and Friday as meeting-free days when I was fully self-employed. And I still try to keep Friday pretty clear. I have a colleague where I know I don't put anything on her calendar on Thursdays because she needs to devote that to 
getting the stuff done she needs to do. <laughs> so that's 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 really key. So um, as we wrap this up, I'm going to ask you what you feel is kind of the biggest bang for your buck in terms of personal branding. You can't do everything. So what are some things that you feel like are going to get you a bigger win for a lower, perhaps, effort? Ah, with this one. Let's see. Well, actually, I'm going to question to the question, which is really annoying and I do it a lot. Um, but that would be, in which extent do you mean when it comes to be able to develop your personal brand or to actually grow your audience and speak to more people, if that makes sense? Because then the answer might be different. Let's go to, you know what? I'm going to go with both. So first, let's talk about developing your personal brand. What are some things that that really you should get on top of defining and they'll make everything much easier? It's not your font. I'll say that. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm joking. Uh, I, I do a lot of songs still. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to say a version of branding guidelines or something that can actually guide you as a, we, have, we can create a like branding guidelines for one of our courses with our students. And I find that that's been, namely from the students, that's been one of their favorite things. And the project that they get to do is something that they've been using months and months after. So that would be probably the, the most effective thing because those guidelines can have everything from your values to how you want to speak to what you want to share and what you want to say. And it's almost a little brand Bible. That's what we call it, actually, um, that allows you to kind of get guided whenever you're getting stuck. So to develop a personal brand, something that you can get back to whenever you feel stuck or you're asking yourself, should I do this? Should I create this content? Should I take this opportunity? To me, it's great when you're developing your brand. Absolutely. Having that framework just saves so much guesswork. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. You're freeing yourself by narrowing the parameters. Love that. So then let's go to the second part, which is when it comes to expressing your personal brand and, and get, gathering an audience to yourself. What do you think? is kind of a good, uh, efficient, bang for your buck type of thing. Yeah. That's almost easier because that goes back <clears throat> more into nice practices. The way of this one, so that you haven't heard it before, um, is actually scheduling time to engage with people. So we talked about systems and structure. That will be something that you should structure, which most people don't. Um, and I love the idea. And whether you do it on a basic level of social media, which is the first step, I'm going to pepper it, spice it up. And the second step you can do on top of it is even schedule to like outreach with one person every single day, each week, obviously work days. But that's another thing. So these are two things. Engage the time you spend on social so you can schedule that and say 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes in the morning and in the afternoon. And then on top of that, schedule some targeted outreach. One person a day, every single day of the week, obviously working week can go a very long way. So these are my two slash one thing. Yes, it's all about the relationships because ultimately audiences are made up of people. Thank you so much for being such a fabulous person. Fab, tell everyone where they can find you and what they will find there. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. I genuinely feel like I'm, I'm such a swanky woman right now. I'm a little backdrop. Um, if you want to find me and find out more about me and get more fabulous content, you can find me at fabgiovanetti.com or at fabgiovanetti, which is right underneath me. That's my name. So you can find me that. 
And if you want to find out more about my book, it's called Reclaim Your Time Out. You can find it everywhere in all good bookstores. And finally, if you want to learn how to market to hearts, not to brains, you can check out Alt Marketing School at Alt, like alternative, altmarketingschool.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have, have gotten to have this conversation with you. I follow your stuff. Um, you're wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much for watching, for listening. Definitely come back next week to Let's Talk About Brand, where we will have another fabulous conversation with a wonderful expert about another element of personal branding that you need to know about. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk About Brand, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Christine Gritman, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Christine Gritman. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. <laughs>